Welcome back to Redirected. My name is Andrew East, and this is a show where we sit down with celebrities, athletes, entrepreneurs, really anybody who has experienced a significant pivot or change in life. At some point, we all go through them, and so I wanted to sit down with people who have gone through these changes well, so that yes, I could learn from them, but also so that we could hear their stories. So it's a little bit of entertainment mixed with education. I'm really excited about today's guest. We sit down with Johnny Weir. Johnny is an American figure skater, he's a fashion designer, and he is a TV commentator. You've likely seen Johnny on your TV during the Olympics, either as a competitor or as a commentator, and he is entertaining to say the least. But I really enjoyed my conversation with Johnny today because he's really thoughtful in his approach to his career. And he shares everything he's been through, the ups and downs of it, but also what it's like transitioning outside of competitive sports and what he's done after. So he's written books, he's written songs, he's acted, really has done the full gamut of experiences to try to find what his next thing is. And uh, I think he had some really, really good things to say. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say about this episode. But before I jump into it, make sure you give this show a rating and subscribe to it on whatever platform you're listening to. Let's go ahead and jump into this one with Johnny Weir. Johnny Weir, it's good to see you again, man. Hi, you too. I mean, I, this is super awkward, first of all. When my t people told me, okay, it's a podcast, but it's also a video, it yeah. really took me for a loop because I'm the least technological person you'll ever meet. So downloading an app, I thought the Wizard of Oz monkeys were going to fly out of the camera at me. terrified <laughs> someone's going to hack me or they're going to steal an encryption so this only for you yeah fellow athlete will i endeavor to do something technologically sad well i appreciate that uh it, it's no big deal other than i will have access to your computer camera from here on out but it, everything else should be good everything? yeah <laughs> no, I'm don't watch don't watch um, freshly married or freshly fathered these things you can't they're things all right, do you remember the last time we saw each other? It was the Cupcake Show, wasn't it? That's right, Cupcake Wars. Yep. Do you remember how Sean and I did? You didn't first win. out. We were the first voted out. Oh, God, I <laughs> See, That's the thing, because I lose every – so I hosted a show on the Food Network for a while, and I couldn't yeah. lose that. But every other thing that I've ever done for the Food Network, Chopped, Cupcake Wars, all of that, I'm usually the first one out. I can't believe I, I didn't remember that we actually beat you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, uh, man, that was, that was a tough loss. I, I think I lost sleep over that, but that was fun. Um, I guess that was our, our, our first better? time. What'd you say? Are you better at it now? The cupcaking? Uh, you know what? We have been cooking more at home now, given the current circumstances. Okay. Um, so brownies are a safe play for me. You do a lot of cooking? Uh, Fair to poor. I like cooking. It just takes me forever because I'm also super OCD. So mm. once I chop one vegetable, I have to clean that little no. space the knife. Yeah, I can't. I'm not like a messy chef. Oh, right? you're like OCD. I was about to say it sounds like my wife, but she's not. She's not like that. So <laughs> yeah, I get it. Um, all right. So I always love to start the show off just so people get an understanding of who you are and. Uh, and where you came from. Where were you raised? What'd your parents do? Let's start there. All right. I am from Quarryville, Pennsylvania. I'm sure you're familiar. It's, <laughs> it's in uh, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. And it's about an hour and a half from Philadelphia because it's one of those small towns. It's very Amish there. Um, it's one of those small towns in America that even if you're, you know, as the crow flies close to some place, you're kind of stuck there. So you have one winding road that'll get you to a mm. city nearby. So from way out in the middle of nowhere, my parents, um, when I was young, worked at a nuclear plant in the area, which is what many of the families in that area did. And um, doing, my dad was an engineer, my mom did kind of office stuff. And um, my town was really not diverse in any way. It was, you know, 99.99999% white Christian people. So um, not that there's anything wrong with growing up in a town like that, but I didn't really have a lot of access to anything different than people that were just like me. Mm -hmm. And um, I was just talking to my mom about it actually, because it's, it's funny that me and the public persona that is me has come from such a tiny place. And I think it's great that I come from a tiny place because it incubated me in a way that I could be really 
comfortable with who I am and strong in who I am, and then I can go mm. try all these different things. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. You just, I'm from Pennsylvania, and my parents were <laughs> really fun. <laughs> no, that, that's really interesting. I want to circle back to that because uh, you, you have become this cultural icon in so many senses. But from my understanding, it sounds like, um, sounds like you moved to Delaware. Was that, was that strictly after you found your passion for skating? Um, you were looking for a coach. Is that how that worked? Well, we, um, I had no idea what I was getting into with, with skating. I mean, again, where, I, where I'm from, there is no real different path that people take than what their parents took or their aunt took or their best mm. friend. Everyone kind of filters into the same sort of lifestyle. And raising an Olympic figure skater from the middle of nowhere seems like kind of a tall order and a big ask, especially for a community that isn't very different. It doesn't like to break the mold very often. So mm. we, I did six sort of normal things before I started skating. I um, was, I played, not, I can't say I played football. I played soccer. Um, my brother was the one who took up football. Um, I played soccer and I was terrible at it. And I tried skiing and I was an equestrian. I was actually a very good show jumper um, in equestrian before I got into skating. And I got into it because I saw it on TV, like so many people do, and wanted to try it. And a cornfield behind my house had frozen over. Um, it was during like the 1994 saga of Tanya and Nancy and skating was super popular in the United States. And we had a pair of used ice skates in, in the basement. And I went out on this cornfield and I just sort of started scooting around and, and figuring out what it was. So that's how I started skating. And I was already like 11 and a half when that happened. So, I mean, having, you know, married Sean, I'm sure you understand that in figure skating and gymnastics, they're a little bit similar where the younger, the better. Like if you're able to win competitions at eight years old, win them because you won't make it to 20. <laughs> and and um, so I was really late to the game um, in terms of, you know, I, my parents got with these group classes at the University of Delaware in Newark, Delaware, which is the closest big rink with coaches that was near me. So um, we got these group lessons and I was like a foot taller than all of the other beginner kids that were starting at age two, three, four. And in my first class, because of my extensive cornfield training, I, I did an axle jump on my first class. And the coaches that were teaching it were all kind of like, and I didn't know any different because it's just what I saw on television and I taught myself to do it. So they came up to my mom and said, this is weird. We really think this is what Johnny needs to be doing. And us, you know, not realizing anything, she was like, come on, this is just for fun. He's going to be a smart collegiate sort of person. He <laughs> just bought a horse and a, and a house to be closer to where his riding is. And, and anyway, it just started off like, in shambles, just tumbleweed, just destroying lives. <laughs> the, awesome. the skating. <laughs> oh man, dude! I tell you what, I feel like I feel like gymnastics and skating are similar in that. In order to reach a high level, you got to go all in, like move across the country. I mean, when oh, yeah. Sean had success with her coach, there were so many stories of parents uprooting the entire family and going to that coach. And it's like, dude, for football, my career. I played one or two months out of the fall and then the rest of it was me doing whatever I wanted. And it was like super casual, but not, not for the Olympic level stuff that you guys were doing. But to get to the high levels that you have in, in football, I mean, there has to be some sort of diligence and you have to train hard. It isn't just like a part-time job. Right. So in retrospect, I was super fortunate. Um, just like in different States, there's different kind of methods like so Indiana doesn't have spring football a lot of the southern states do and so you're playing it's football like four or five months Indiana right it's still cold there and it's super exactly yeah yeah it's probably like Delaware is um <laughs> so. dude so you're my third person I've met from Delaware and every one of them has been fantastic people so Great. way to keep the trend going who else is going how long have you been doing this podcast and why am I just hearing about it and well you know <laughs> Uh, uh, Chuck Wicks is a country musician. I don't know if you know him. 
fantastic no uh and then someone who we work with lexi you wouldn't know her but she's good people well Um, big ups to the delaware people i mean delaware is a cool place and then it's so tiny that you can really focus on what you do and focus on your work yeah and um i mean i lived I, i trained for my first olympics here in delaware and then i moved to northern New Jersey and New York to train for my second with a different coach. And I spent a lot of time in Moscow at that same period of time training, just to kind of get away from here and be uncomfortable for a minute. Moscow, Russia, just yeah. casually. Okay, nice. Well, super casual. I, <laughs> I speak Russian and I love going to Russia and my coaches were Russian. So it was really easy, as daunting as it might sound. Yeah. Uh, easier for me to go there than, I don't know, Utah with all of the mountains and <laughs> it's so interesting you know the the one place that i really want to go to is uh, st petersburg russia the russian culture is so interesting to me. i'm a big history buff and so like the russian involvement in all the wars is like so uh fascinating for me yeah. but and i mean now especially that's kind of back in the news like us versus them in so many ways it's yeah sad because politics are really kind of gross and i don't get into it so we don't have to talk about politics at all today but um yeah, I think the Russian culture is just so rich and emotional and strong, and it's very similar to the American culture in the way that you want to be the best at mm. everything you do. And I think that, that sort of inspired me when I was younger because the top skaters were all from Russia, and I just loved Russian music and culture and the ballet and St. Petersburg and Moscow and the Onion Domes and snow and all that stuff. So. That's yeah. what I look at, like the cultural side of Russia more than the political side. But go, go to St. Petersburg. It's beautiful. Yeah, uh, the kid might slow that down. But I, I have a question for you. I'm, I'm curious, did you end up pursuing, it sounded like you loved equestrian and uh, is it show? Um, show jumping. Show, yeah. show, show jumping. Um, did you pursue skating because your coach said you were good at it and your parents wanted you to do it? Or is, was it because you loved it so much? It, for when I got into riding, it was kind of what, or equestrian, it's what people did. Like I, I wasn't going to be, I wasn't big. Um, I did try gymnastics when I was little because I liked that on TV too, but I went into a gym nearby and there was a Chinese coach and a Russian coach, which is a great combination for gymnastics. And they took one look at me and said, your body will never be right. <laughs> one they would do a push-up for them and they said no so oh, man. um that you know thank you for being honest i can't remember your names whoever they are but um <laughs> anyway it was it was good that my parents um kind of let me sort stuff out for myself i think especially in youth driven sports there's a lot of parental pressure and not that there wasn't that for me because obviously i come from humble beginnings and every dollar mattered and every mm-hmm. hour that my mom was in a car and not resting to go back to work the next day herself was you know an hour that was dedicated to me and i felt a lot of that pressure whether in equestrian or in skating but when i started skating it was just horrific we just moved so that we could be closer to my stable where i trained mm-hmm. and where i worked with my horse and i loved it it was so fun my dad did it when he was little so i felt kind of a kinship to it but then skating just really screwed everything up <laughs> because yeah. the coach was like, your, your kid's really good. And this is a coach that trains people at our rink and um, she rotates the same direction as Johnny. So um, in skating, most people rotate counterclockwise and I rotate clockwise, which is Interesting. right or left-handed. Really. Okay. Um, or, you know, which direction you swing a golf club or a bat or, you know. Yeah, sure. There are so many equivalents, but um, I rotate the wrong way, (laughs) as I learned, for skating, and my coach also did when she was a competitive skater. So um, we got immediately hooked up with her, and my mom said, okay, Johnny, we can try it, because it was inspiring and new and fresh, and um, I just, I loved that feeling already of moving from one place to another very quickly, and that's what Mm -hmm. I So definitely pressure from my family, just to get the job done and never slack off and work hard. But I also never felt pressured to continue doing it because they wanted me to. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, the feeling that I get when I'm on skates on ice, I, I would describe that feeling as uh, horrified and scared. So I, I don't know how people get so uh, talented like you do. You're right? tall, aren't you? <laughs> tall, and I weigh about 230 pounds. So it's not oh, like, you know, yeah. the ice is just begging for help. Um, so <laughs> like it, it, it's so like I refer us back to the, the Russian and the Chinese gymnastics coach saying no to me right away. It, you get this such a specific body for any sport you do and you ultimately see that those body types are the ones that end up doing better in that sport and excelling than people that really have to like construct themselves and make them work and all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even, you know, being judgmental about football for a second, I mean, the, the so many of the, the offense are in such great shape and, and they're, you know, fit and they're the faces of the sport in many ways. I'm a new fan of football, so just shut me down if I run my mouth too hard. But then on the defensive lines and things, you see like these guys that look like they've never seen a gym a day in their life. It's crazy, huh? And you know, the bajillions of dollars they can make to just stand there and be big. And they're great at what they do. And like that kind of a fun, it's something that you have to accept. That, that yeah specifically for that sport and that's what they're supposed to do they're supposed to be a brick wall well a lot of a lot of athletics is genetics as you're saying just like do you have the right body type and did you fall and this is what it like sometimes i stay awake thinking about this did you fall into the right sport that your body type was made for like you know what i'm saying you fell into the sport late but had it been four years even later your career probably didn't happen so like a lot of it's timing a lot of it's luck just because like you had to find the sport and then a lot of it's genetics. But the thing about the football defensive line, I agree with you. A lot of them are like, Holy smokes. Yeah. Like you could, you could, you could like use a couple jogs every now and then. But <laughs> what's amazing is especially as you get to higher, higher level, higher, higher levels, like you're dealing with a 340 pound human being who might be six foot five that can run faster than, than I can. And it's like the quickness that these guys have is, is nuts. So, um, yeah. I mean, I'll tell you my history with football. I, um, with Tara Lipinski, we're the broadcasters for, for figure skating at the Olympics. And, um, we do a lot of other fun side things. And one of those was the Super Bowl um, early on in our broadcasting career. Mm. And, I never had huge ambitions or dreams of going to the Super Bowl. I wasn't a football fan. Um, I grew up in a very Pennsylvania strong household. So we were an Eagle Steelers household for a long time. Um, I decided long ago that my team, because my parents make me do Super Bowl picks every year. Um, I think it's funny, but I always choose New England because <laughs> that's my team. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't be upset with me. I know that's like a, a touchy subject for a lot of people but um that was just sort of how I went about doing it and then NBC said okay Johnny you and you and Tara are going to work the Super Bowl and while it was exciting and a huge honor I was like what are we going to do like what if, I can't like go right. play football with anyone I can't like do a really like gayish thing and like talk about spandex and jock straps and things but what am I going to do and they sent us to the media day, which I had no idea what kind of circus that was. It's a big deal. They were all so nice to us because we really had just come off the Olympics and also we're like 17 feet shorter than anybody else, Karen and I. <laughs> and we show up and you know, I'm in my full ruffles and necklaces and Tara's in her little cocktail dress and shoes like that. And um, we just were so out of place that everyone was kind to us. And I became a football fan that day because Gronk hugged me and his arms ran around twice. <laughs> I knew I had a point of bringing this back to the body for the sport. Um, so his arms wrapped around me twice and I was forever going to be a fan, um, not only of football, but of Gronk himself and, and the Patriots. So. He's an easy guy to be a fan of. Um, so you know, we have, I feel like we have a lot in common. Uh, one of those is not the fact that you were on the honor roll in, in, uh, in high school. I was not, but then you went into the university of Delaware, you ended up dropping out. Was that to pursue the Olympics and, and, uh, and do that. So can you, I mean, you had an epic career, 
let's see, two-time Olympian, 2008 World Bronze Medalist, two-time Grand Prix, you know all this. The list goes on and on. The list goes on and on. Um, Of all the things that you did in skating, what would you say uh, you're most proud of? It doesn't even have to be one of the awards you won. It could be some. There was, um, because I got into skating very late and because I'm not from the typical sort of skating family whose parents were into it or their grandma was a great skater or um, they live in a place with skating all around them. Like New England, for example, has rinks everywhere and everyone knows a little bit about skating or hockey. Um, I don't come from one of those communities. So when I started at 12, um, or taking my first lesson at 12, I was so late to the game that we had everyone telling us exactly what I should be, who I should work with. It was still the late 90s. So me being a little bit gayish and effeminate was, you know, still a problem because people have a misconception about figure skating that it's just all gay dudes, which isn't true, Um, you know, for lack of, not for lack of me searching them out. But, um, you know, it's, it's just like that. So I was getting a whole bunch of crap from people just about being too effeminate and, and ways to skate that was less balletic. And, you know, I was always inspired by Russia and that's how they do things over there. But we had so many different opinions coming at us, my, my family and me, about how to do this right. Um, that immediately when I stepped into the sport, I was just over the top, overwhelmed, exacerbated by people putting their opinions on me that I decided none of the opinions actually mattered at all. Mm. And I'm glad that I was 12 and old enough to kind of sort that out mentally for whatever version of it I saw as a 12 year old. But um, the proudest thing in my career is that everything that I accomplished and did, I did on my own and chose myself with my family and my coaches, obviously, but I chose what direction my life was going to be. And I chose what direction my public image was going to take. I, I decided all these things. And while, you know, it could have been cool. I was like 16 when I had my first offer from an agency uh, to look after my career. And it was um, this guy from one of the big ones. And he said, you know, and this is in front of my mother and I hadn't come out to my mom yet or anything. And um, you know, you're 16 and we're standing there in this meeting with this guy and he said, you know, if you're going to work with us, though, you can't be gay because we can't package you that way. And, you know, obviously we said, no, thank you. But um, if I had like gone that direction and said the right things and done all the right things and been the Wheaties box and all that stuff, I don't think now so far out of my career, I would have been proud of everything that I'd done when I look back. There's nothing wrong with people that do that. I was just, I'm not that kind of person to do what I'm told just because someone says to. And I kept to my guns the whole career. So that's what I'm most proud of. Hey, man, I got, I got chills. That was uh, not the answer I was expecting. I'm uh, doing some self-reflecting over here. And um, I am almost embarrassed at how, how much I haven't been like that in my life. I think, like, just I've had it easy. I played one of the big three sports that everybody knows and everybody loves and everybody wants to talk to you about. Um, I didn't, I didn't have to like really plant my flag and stand for a, a, a certain cause that yeah. you have been doing this since you were 12. Um, my next question was going to be, and you kind of transitioned into it, the whole, like you literally are a cultural icon in so many different ways for fashion, for what you stand for. Like you've, you, you've, uh, been a, a voice for, uh, so many different causes. Was that. I mean, it sounds like it was it was very intentional from the get-go. It, it was, and it, not intentional. I didn't want to ruffle feathers. And, and going back to what you said, there's nothing wrong with not finding your voice when you're 12. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, wanting to kind of, because not everyone can do the same, has the same trajectory, has the same life. Sure. No one can be as great at what you do as, as you, and no one can do what I do. And everyone's different. So there's definitely no timeline when you stand up and you say, okay, this is all me, or this is, yeah. I'm doing this, and this is the way that I want it to happen. And there's no timeline. You, you just have to decide for yourself. And mm. I'm glad I decided real quick. But um, 
I don't know. I feel like it was never a genuine need to be a nonconformist or to make people eat their words, which is something that definitely drove me when I was competing. And I was like, well, you know, I, this is all me. I've got this. I'm going to make you yeah. <laughs> really be upset that you ever said anything nasty to me or about me. And that's just how good I'm going to have to be. It pushed me a lot in skating to constantly have a little bit of a chip on my shoulder and something to prove mm. to people that said you can't or you won't or you never be. And th that was what drove me. But my, mm. it isn't even necessarily about um, my sexuality or, or where I come from or the beginnings that my family was able to provide for me or anything. Um, I've just always felt the best thing that I can be in this world is, is myself. And I felt that since I was really young, and I, I don't know if it's my mom that instilled it in me or my dad, but you know, I don't always agree with them. And as a family unit, we're really strong still, but it's not, it's not something we, we strive for. I mean, my mom was a middle child. My dad um, is, grew up working a farm for his family, and um, they always went kind of without, and they never were able to really chase their dreams. So something they did that was awesome for me is give me and my brother that opportunity. So mm. I never wanted to poo on, on my family or embarrass them or anything like that. But at the same time, I knew there's nothing that's worth doing if, if you don't believe in it and then you can't look in a mirror at night and be like, I'm super proud of what, what I just accomplished or what I just did. Wow. So I never wanted to hurt anyone's feelings. I just wanted to be sure that I was not hurting my feelings, if that makes mm. sense. I, um your message is, is very important. Uh, I grew up in, it sounds like a community similar to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, you know, conservative Christian household. And uh, one of my frustrations with that community is like, there seems to be this pressure of, hey, if you're not using the same lingo as we are and doing the same activities and events as we are, then, uh, you know, maybe you're not on the, on the same level of spirituality as us. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I was doing that probably half until halfway through college. And like, you know, there's this Christian verbiage where it's like, Hey, how's your heart? You know, stuff like that, where it's like kind of, it's really good at the base of it, but I think there's a pressure to conform to that. And so one of the things that, that I feel passionate about is everyone has such, just like you said, it's such a unique uh, trajectory, such unique passions, things that they're interested in. and 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 past it that uh, they can pursue. And whether you agree with someone else's path or passions or not, or how they, how they are, how they were made, um, like it's, it's way better just to, to like embrace the differences than it is to quarrel over them. So anyway, I, I am, uh, I agree. I'm, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, good for you. It's it's hard, especially, I mean, I'm not super religious in any way. Um, and and religion and, and um, I find fanaticism about different aspects of people's lives and the things that they choose to follow and believe in in life, it's, it's really comforting to them. But then also it creates this rivalry and competition. Well, you know, I donated this much to my church or I, I prayed this many hours today. Yeah. And then, you know, I have a round baking pan, but you have a square one. I mean, there's all this stuff that just is so human nature to be competitive about. And it has nothing to do with your religion, your skin color, your sexuality, yeah. none of these things. It's just about yeah. trying to be better than someone. And aside from competition, I feel like, um, you know, in sports, you don't need to win all the time. You just have to accept that there are people that do things and win in their own ways. Yeah. It's well, I mean, there's even spiritual uh, or religious um, backing to like this concept of embracing differences. Like in Christianity, it's the body of Christ where like each, each of us has a different, you know, talent or, or use. And it's like, you know, I, I just feel like a lot of that gets skipped over because of, you know, this is how we are as humans, I guess. But um, okay, when, when, when I Google Johnny Weir, I see uh you know the hair i see the the fashion and there's there's so you have such a distinct uh style to you when did well, that start first of all i'm sorry you're getting all of this 
Dude, it's, I feel like, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm at home and I don't know how to do my hair. I don't know how to do my makeup. That's just, that's part of, you know, the professionals that work with me to get oh, me. Okay. But um, yeah, I, something, something I've always loved is, is fashion and I love being an entertainer. So what I do is work in television and that isn't just my voice, that isn't just uh, what you see, it isn't me singing and dancing to trombones or something. It, it has to be fully, a fully developed story. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I love fashion is really helpful to me doing what I do because not only um, do I think I, I speak very well on TV and, and, you know, despite not going to college because I was training for the Olympics and stuff, um, that I've really tried to study and, and learn, you know, English. <laughs> I've really tried hard to learn English. And, um, <laughs> um, and, you know, you could be, I can be on television and we're on for the Olympics, it's like 60 or 65 million living rooms we're, we're on in. And then you also have those moments like, oh, at the, at the bar where people are watching and not actually listening, but they're, you know, wasted and they look up and they're like, well, how boring is that sportscaster? So I bring them the hair and the makeup and the outfits and the jewels so that even those people who aren't even paying attention to me are entertained. And that's just what I feel is my job as an entertainer is that it should be a full experience. I want to be smart, I want to be pretty, and I want you to laugh, and I want you to cry, and I just want to go on those journeys with you. And that was the same when I skated as it is now. But you know, my fashion can be a little, a little over the top, and my producers and Tara and I will, will look back sometimes and laugh at Warren. It was like in my first year, um, first full year as kind of the A-team of commentating with figure skating, um, I wore this and literally to clean it i have to windex it it is a a patent leather cocoon that you can't move no. your in. so i'll sit back a little bit but i couldn't use my arms so it was just like this to like pull my microphone up because no. i move or it would get like way up over my head anyway i wear a bunch of dumb stuff but <laughs> and i stand by all of them because they're all my, my treasures i mean i collect stuff do you collect anything in your life you know what i'm uh I, I used to collect pez pez machines as random that it, as that is um yeah i know play those though. do you have a shelf for them special one so i did i was big into collecting i had shot glasses from every place we traveled to pez machine i did the quarters uh i feel like there's one thing i'm missing out uh but anyway then Maybe. our house burned down and then i was like i'm done collecting yeah so that's a whole side story but <laughs> sorry that happened yeah, no, actually, it ended up being a really good thing. It was like a good perspective changer of like, hey, you know what? It's not the things that I accumulate that's important. It's, uh, it's you know, the relationships that you form. So uh, anyway, that, that took a really somber twist. Sorry about that. <laughs> well, there I'll we go. There we go. Has suspensers and send them over. <laughs> so do you view your, your comment, uh, commentary as like, are you a consciously creating this character and this persona or... Is it like a, a unique opportunity for you to express this side of you? Well, I think with commentary, it's a really tight rope that, that me and Tara both walk. So figure skating, like any other sport or, or profession, is, is really cutthroat because everyone's trying to be number one and everyone wants the gold medal or the promotion or whatever it might be. So your your level of trust is really low. And Tara and I, for some reason, have found each other and, and can really trust in each other for the messages that we give and, and the styling that we do and the fact that we're both kind of relying on each other to make these shows a huge entertaining success. Also with, mm. with Terry Gannon, our play-by-play, our, our -play. he's an amazing basketball player and I've just seen a documentary of really short shorts. Anyway, I digress. Um, so the, this whole persona, it's, it's all in me, but I think the most important thing to both Tara and I as a team is to kind of reacquaint and re-educate people with figure skating because after the success of skating in the 90s, when Tara won the Olympics in 1998, 
um, to when I was competing in the Olympics in 2006 and 2010, even though it was like 10 years, it was a lifetime in terms of how the United States and America accept figure skating and how they want to see it. And there was a judging scandal at the 2002 Olympics and we lost a lot of credibility. And then because of that, because the judge was paid off to vote for one couple over another. Mm. And it, our sport just really got hurt. And uh, gymnastics going through, through it as well now. And I mean, every sport has its ups and downs of popularity. And Tara and I were so hellbent on making sure people understand what we're talking about. We're not going to talk over them. We're not going to talk under them. And we're not going to lie to them. So if a performance was terrible, and we got a lot of a lot of flack for this at the Olympics because it was our first Olympics where the millions saw us, and it wasn't just people on like the cable channel watching it live; it was everyone. And we got a lot of flack for being too harsh or too mean. And you know, I pretty I was pretty genius. I said, you know what? We're commentators. We're not complimentators. And that was one of my <laughs> kind of moment. But, uh, you know, if you want people to really understand and truly understand your sport, you have to tell it like it is. So someone falls three times, I can't say, oh, but he's got a heart of gold and he tried hard. Mm -hmm. It isn't about that at that level. It's about winning the competition. So, mm. um, you know, the clothes and the hair and stuff are fun. But when it comes to helping people through these competitions and helping them understand our sport, it's, it's the most important aspect of what I do. I want people to love and appreciate how hard it is what we do because it's not one of the big three sports and I still right. want people to appreciate it and not think oh the ice capades or Disney on ice oh somebody's dressed up in a Shrek costume and competing <laughs> there's not like, it's not like that it's different and I want people to respect that about figure skating yeah and you, I mean you guys do such a great job I feel like you have to capitalize on it's just like gymnastics to a certain extent hmm. actually figure skating it's more love than gymnastics maybe i feel like i you see it a lot like the world championships and whatever um well maybe it's pretty equivalent but the, there's only so many windows it's not every sunday like football is it's like you know a couple times a year maybe and right. uh and i think you guys are i mean you guys have had so much success not only doing the ice skating but you mentioned doing the super bowl the dog shows You've been everywhere now you're you know family guy they recreated us for family guy they, <laughs> yeah. they them up on SNL. yeah I, I, it's not so much that anything's pre prefabricated or intentional in any way like i i could i would be exactly the same if people knew who i was or they didn't hmm. and being on tv doesn't change that there's more pressure not to say uh or to curse or anything like that um, when I talk. But, you know, I would probably still be as much of a know-it-all that wears crazy clothes if I was just sitting at home, like yelling at my mom about the yeah. skating position on TV. So people get exactly what, what we are. And I, I'm so, not shocked, but I'm just so honored that people kind of go there with us and they mm. they have fun and they they like what we say and it isn't just so much about oh what a beautiful performance and her dress was so pretty it's about well she fell three times and this is why she lost the competition mm. um in addition to she's super pretty and has a heart of gold but um yeah it's just the fact that we can bounce around and do so many things i mean my dad's never been more proud than when i worked the super bowl um after the super bowl i was at I was at a gas station with my manager in Los Angeles. A whole, I don't know if it was a gang of bikers or if it was just guys that bike together. <laughs> I was just at the gas station like pumping her car up and they pull over. Hey, you're Johnny, right? Maybe. <laughs> and then I said, you know, what, what's this about? Bro, F word, loved you at the Super Bowl. <laughs> Now that I'm not just a figure skater or just somebody who wears weird clothes, um, my demographics change entirely. It was yeah. mainly like skating fans for a long time, but now I'm getting like people my dad's age, you know, people my brother's age. Um, it, it's just been mind blowing and that yeah. we kind of can bounce around anywhere. And I'm just going to keep like flossing myself and turning, making myself blush talking about myself. But uh, yeah, it's been cool. Yeah. It, it comes as no surprise to me that you've had such such success. 
you honestly communicate wildly clearly it's impressive and now i'm feeling all self-conscious about all the filler and gap words that i have so you're, i have a lot to have work to do your english is really good but, thank you <laughs> um i'm curious did you have i know you still skate i know you did it looks like uh an event in japan um last june even uh but did you have a hard time transitioning out of like the competitive skating Well, this is a long story, so you might have to edit some things. But, okay. but um, figure skating and, and Olympic sports or sports in general, as you know, kind of, they take over your entire life and your existence and everything that you do is, is for that purpose of, of making a team or standing on a podium, whatever it might be. So when you give up this thing that you equally love and hate on a daily basis so hard. <laughs> um, it's almost like you have no light at the end of the tunnel and you have no dragon to slay every day. So I, I just made the decision and I, I have cried so many times like just randomly talking about it, but um, skating has an afterlife. We do tours and, and I still perform all over the world and um, I'm gonna stop doing that in 2022 at the end of the summer and um i rarely get to perform in the united states anymore i have a residency with brian park in new york and um i'm i primarily am in asia and russia for my shows and it's it's getting harder and harder as i get older to prepare for them and i'll skate at one in the morning and then then i have to diet and you know there's just all this stuff that goes into it that nobody sees or cares about when they're watching you perform um, but it's harder the older you get. But when I stopped competing, it, it was kind of a natural progression. So 2010 was uh, the Olympics of my dreams. I performed better than I ever had in my life. And the support that I was getting, and it was new that social media was around. And I remember like getting up to 90,000 followers on Twitter, like the night of the free skate. And um, it was just a perfect the perfect ending for my competitive skating career. And my coaches were happy, my mom was happy. I mean, aside from my results, I came in sixth and I thought, and we all thought I should have done much better, but politics is a judge sport, whatever. Um, that, that was beside the point, but I had that kind of life-changing moment at the end of the performance where I'm looking up and you know the whole arena standing and I was perfect and um, that should have been where it ended. And then <laughs> I, um, I started touring and I never officially retired. And a couple of years after that Olympics, I was just thinking I was, I was newly married. And um, I was just like, let's take the world by, the, uh, by storm and let's try and do this again. Um, let's try and skate. Let's try and be ready. Um, I called Galena, my coach, and you know, she was like, oh my God, really? Really? <laughs> No, it's just so old. Anyway, we tried. We started, and day by day, I started to get my skills back together. And then, you know, it was, I'm not a very competitive person. I'll put that out here before I continue the story. Like, I don't compete to win, aside from the actual, like, thought of, oh, a gold medal's nice. I don't compete against other people. I compete against me. So I went, I went back, and I trained all summer. And that also meant that I had to start dealing with the federation that governs my sport again, and judges and people. And in the, in the meantime, between the Olympics and then, I was just kind of like a famous person and I'd show up on a TV show and I was having fun. And um, for the first time in my life, I'd, you know, I'd, I could have a drink if I wanted to. And um, I just really started to, to live like a person um, instead of a, a sparkly robot. And, it was nice, and then trying to slap that all back into being this ferocious competitor was really hard. And I made it through. I made it through one competition, which was not super successful because I started to realize how old I was for my sport. I was mm. 27. Um, I started to realize how old I was and how ill-equipped I was to be competitive again because I hadn't had that training in a while. So mm. um, I entered a competition and then retired from the free skate 
And I just decided, okay, the morning of the free skate, Johnny, it's enough. Like you've already had that moment that you should have ended your career on. You tried again, valiant effort, gotten really good. I was so skinny and pretty. I was in such good shape when I came back. But once you're out of it and you lose that, that fire, um, you can't really do much of anything. But I'm still skating now when we're not locked down in houses and still trying to stay in shape because it's something that I still love to do. Long story, you're welcome. So it, it was, it was a difficult transition. It was, and I still, I still will find myself, thank you for bringing me back to your original point. Um, it, it, it is hard, it's really hard to go from people looking after the goal that you've set for yourself. So I had a coach and then two backup coaches that were part of my team every day. I had my costume designer, um, all of my massage therapists and doctors and dentists, everyone also was, I mean, for my second Olympics anyway, all of them were Russian. All of them were tuned into what I was trying to do. My mom and dad, my little brother, like we were all kind of holding onto this little pearl, which would be my Olympic gold medal. This, this dream, this thing, and you just kind of push it slowly forward. It takes a village to raise a child. And then all of a sudden it's over. And that kind of, that kind of connection you have with the people in your life to, wow, I'm not a pearl anymore. <laughs> what, what am I gonna do? Like it's Wednesday, what do I do with today? Um, it's, it's definitely a hard transition, but you know, everything that I have had in my life is a gift and I try and you know, ultimately come back to the fact that I'm lucky to have had the opportunities that I have and that will continue to have. And for all of those, you have to work hard. So yeah. still working my butt off. Uh, one of the more difficult things that, that I've experienced, I was getting picked up by NFL teams, cut by NFL teams. And when I was not on a team, no, I, I got cut more times than I got signed. But when I was not on a team, people would ask, like, you know, it's exciting for people. Oh, you're training for, how's training for the Olympics? How's, how's playing for the Raiders? Yeah. And when you're not on a team, after they have asked that question so many times at the family reunion or wherever, it's like this awkward, like, so what, like, you know, what are you up to? And it's like, it was a conversation where it was like, people go from being so excited about what you're up to, to like, now you have to be like, oh, okay, well, oh, I have to be excited about what they're doing too. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, yeah, a, it's an adjustment. So and you, have, you have like, you have longer time period to actually sit and talk to people because you're not running somewhere so you can train or yeah. be a famous football player or something. <laughs> yeah. so you're like, yeah. My mother yells at me constantly because she'll say, oh, did you go out with your friends? Like, how's, how's their dad doing? Or what do they do for work? Or do they have children? I'm like, I have no idea. I just, <laughs> yeah. do, you like, do you like the color green? And, you know, <laughs> you go anywhere fun? Yeah. I don't know how to, in some ways, I don't know how to be a person and ask those, those questions because I don't, yeah. I never was trained for it. And now... Like, what am I going to follow up with? Like, oh, the landscapers came over today for the first time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's a rough transition socially, I think, because, yeah. I mean, were you really straight-laced and, and training and, and everything? I mean, you're still, you can still play. I mean, I can still Tommy, play, but... Tommy's like 57 years old, isn't he? And he's just, he's moved from the, the Patriots and... You know? I can't believe that. I cannot believe that happened. It's like, wow. I'm not a, I grew up a Colts fan, Johnny. So the Patriots were like, you know, the last team that I was going to root for. But uh, you, uh, you said that what you had this chip on your shoulder and what kind of drove you was like the nasty words uh, that you heard, I'm sure. Yeah. What did you always like use when people said some nasty stuff to you or about you? Did you not use that to like light your fire or were you more about, I'm going to be beautiful and I'm going to win? No, it was, um, oh, that's interesting. I, I had a, a couple coaches that I respected tell me that I wasn't going to play division one football. And there, there was kind of this, uh, this like I'm out here to prove them wrong I think when I got to college though I shifted from that mentality to like 
hey, I'm just along for the ride. I can't believe this is actually happening. And just like, you know, I give it my all. And that's just kind of my mentality of like, you know, if I'm in the weight room, I'm going to be going all in. And if I'm on the field, I'm going to be going all in. Has that, has that motivation that you use in skating carried over into like what you're doing now of the chip on the shoulder? In, in actual skating, now when I'm performing in these tours, I feel very much like mommy because I'm, I'm much older than most of the kids that I'm performing with. So in, in these Japanese tours, for example, there are other guys from my era and we still perform together, which is really cool because we can now become friends and you know lifelong people because in a sport like this, those are my high school, you know, friends. Those are the guys I went to college with. Those are the guys that, you know, you kind of stay in touch with and see at the five-year reunions. These other competitors, and these other skaters, those are my people. Um, and you don't appreciate that when you're in it, but now that I'm older, I can. But anyway, um, the tours, I'm starting to feel older and older, and I can't physically compete with, you know, the 16-year-old Russian boy or girl that's kind of in this tour with us but I'm gonna show them everything that I've learned and you know, tell them how to behave properly on the tour and um, that you have to skate very well if you wanna go and have fun and go shopping and do all this other stuff. So I, I'm not super motherly for the most part and I don't know if I'll ever have children in my life, but I definitely feel some sort of um, this protection thing that comes when I'm, when I'm skating over the, uh, over the other skaters and the other tour group members and stuff. But um, the chip on the shoulder definitely still drives me to a point. But at some point you grow up and you can't just kind of pop off whenever anyone offends you or upsets you. And um, it, makes, it hurts your feelings. It makes you feel bad. There are classy ways to deal with those sorts of things. And um, NBC is really, working with NBC has really taught me a lot about restraint and getting your point across in other ways than getting angry or getting upset with things because <clears throat> i mean you're a public figure sean's a very public figure um i'm sure uh, i mean tara she had a, a rival when she was competing michelle kwan who was america's sweetheart and then you know she beat her at the at the olympics tara beat michelle at the olympics and tara just started like she was Ugh, no one wanted any parts of her and people were so mean to her and I'm sure there's the same for Sean and her rivals in, in gymnastics and like at some point you just have to put all that down and and if somebody says something nasty online or you hear a TV report about yourself and it's just really not nice and you know I went through a really nasty public divorce which for legal reasons I can't discuss more than saying that but it was really nasty and um, my entire family was kind of put on blast and there were lots of lies out there and it was hurting not only my feelings, it was hurting my career and my future. And um, you learn really easily that while they can kind of ignite you, the chip on your shoulder, the bad stuff that people say about you, um, deal with it in a classy way. Deal with, deal with it in the kind of silent and strong and intelligent way where ultimately you win. Um, when you're on 60 million people's televisions or the Olympics, these people are gonna say some nasty stuff. And you don't respond, you don't respond, but then you find your way to overcome that and beat them and make them kind of yield to what you're saying. It's a, I mean, I've gone really off topic, but no, no. not as much. I'm not driven yeah. as much by negativity now as I was when I was an athlete. So what do you have to say to the people that that say look johnny you wear these outfits you have this hairstyle you know you open yourself up to these opinions and you need to have you, you have thick skin you must if you're if you're exposing yourself to this what do you have to say to those people you're welcome <laughs> okay. i mean if if i didn't do all that you'd have nothing to talk about so, so i mean honestly <laughs> you're you're so accurate like you execute your job as an entertainer as well as anybody else probably better uh because there's not only the conversation about what you're commentating but also how you're commentating it and and what you're wearing when you're commentating it's it's yeah. uh you've, you've started this conversation you do a fantastic job but um, i mean that's the thing i 
I want people to focus on, on everything. If you don't like my clothes, maybe you'll like something that I say. Maybe if you don't like what I say, you'll think my, like, my bracelets are pretty or something. Yeah. I mean, I, I try to give as much of myself to my audience as I can. And I like to balance that. I mean, I live way out in the middle of nowhere. Um, I have lovely things and I love where I live and my family's close and all. Um, but I need to have that kind of little bubble that I recharge in so that mm -hmm. I can fully hit everyone for the Olympics. <laughs> I gotcha. Well, thank you for, for uh, giving us some of your bubble now. I don't know, I don't know if that's worth it. You're in, you're in the bubble. <laughs> um, you've made me become a technology wizard now. So. <laughs> you downloaded an app. Wow, man. You did it. Um, so what are your goals that you have now? You're doing so much. But what do you what do you want to be doing? Where do you want to go? It's so hard to say because so many things that have happened in my life, I've sort of fallen into. Mm -hmm. um, the commentating, for example, I um, everyone thought I was going to be done competing when the, it was 2010, and I had a reality show at the time. It was the Sundance Channel. It was a, it was a big deal, and you know, people got to follow me to the Olympics and into and after the Olympics to see what happened and. Um, NBC started approaching my team around then to see if I was interested in commentating. And because I didn't know if I was going to ever skate again or compete again, I had to decline all the time because I can't be somebody in the competition and also commentate the competition. Right. Um, but then, you know, I decided to retire and, and NBC was still interested in having me work for them. And slowly but surely, I've learned a lot about the industry, a lot about the business. And I hope... Um, to be a commentator for a really long time because it gives me a huge sense of pride to invite people into my sport and to teach them about it. And also, I feel a big obligation to the skaters and the athletes themselves simply because, you know, as a, a, a skater or an athlete in a niche sport, you don't really get a lot of opportunity to speak. And people will see what you do but never actually hear what's gone into it or hear your story. So. Tara and I, we really try and take time to talk to everyone, to be in touch with everyone um, that we're going to be talking about and crafting their story for 60 million American people. Mm -hmm. um, it's important to us that we, we get it right and that we really try hard um, to give these, these athletes a chance. So commentating definitely, going down the road. I hope I'm doing it when I'm wearing, when I'm like 65, you know, I've had my full face lift. <laughs> I'm wearing a wig, you know, I, I want to be that crazy person um, that's on your TV because I, I enjoy it. I love the pressure of going on for that many people. I love when there's the, they're here, five, four, three, 60 million people. Hello! <laughs> Do you like all of my weave today? Um, mm. I, I love the pressure. I love um, the responsibility that I have as a commentator. So that's, that's something. And then um, in the last year, I acted for the first time. I was in a series on on Netflix called Spinning Out, and it's it's been canceled after the first season, which was a bummer. Um, but I really, really enjoyed that process. And it's you know, for my first role, I was playing a character that was really similar to me, except I played a 26 year old, and I'm 35 now. So I was just super um, like I was sleeping and tape and everything, so my face stayed nice and tight. But, um, but that, was, that was really an interesting experience because I'm kind of animated and I move around a lot and I, I'm a dancer and um, I couldn't hit marks. And also I'm so used to doing live TV that I would change all of the lines that they had for mm. the And they'd run over in between each take and be like, Johnny, we, we pay writers for a reason. <laughs> writers, writers have jobs because they write all of this and then you say it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and it, was, it was such a cool thing. So I'd love to act more. I really want to be in a skate movie. Um, it just it seems like something fun to do. But the the main goal in my life and what I'm supposed to be here for, and you know, it's taken me into my middle thirties to figure it out. But um, when people find out they're good at something, whether it's a sport or a specific line of work you're there for that and, and you're, you've been put on this earth to do something related to that or around that. And life is kind of about finding what that is and then following it. And I think that I'm here to entertain people. So 
you know, I will make people laugh and cry and sing and dance and make fun of me or be like, yes, queen, uh, for as long as I can. That's my goal. And mm. as far as family and stuff goes, you know, I've been married and it was, it was all right. If it happens again, I'm not against it. Children, I don't know how, you know, I don't know how that would work because I'd be like 90 when they went to high school at this point. <laughs> And like I want to be a young, cool mom, and uh, <laughs> I I don't know what what all of that stuff that I can't predict. But as far as who I'm going to be and what I want to do, as long as people laugh and can step out of their lives for a minute with me as entertaining them, I'll be happy. Yeah. Three. What are you gonna do, huh? dude? So football's done, and dude, we're right. just. We, we have, you know, a couple podcast shows. We do our, our online content, and we're having a blast. So uh, we're just focused on that. And we do consulting as well, like Google bring us in, and it's fun. But cool. I, I, still, I still have no idea is the bottom line. <laughs> um, I'm curious, three lessons that you've learned over your life uh, that you'd like to share with listeners? You warned me at the beginning of this conversation that I'd have to think of these. Um, mm -hmm. uh, There's so many. It's hard to like boil them down into like those three. Um, okay. I feel like always remember where you came from is something that will get you very far in whatever your future holds. I think uh, the people that, that, for lack of a better way of putting it, go Hollywood, or you know, they get a promotion at work and they start acting differently or riding on a high horse and, and never remembering their struggle or how hard they cried for something or how much they bled for something or um, how much they sweated, whatever bodily fluid. Um, you know, however, where, where you've come from to get where you are is so much more important than where you are. Because no matter where you get to, there's always gonna be another step or another thing that you're trying to accomplish. So um, I will never forget that I'm from a town with one traffic light in it, where everyone was the same and super lovely. And that's, that's me, that's where I come from. That's why I live in the country again, is because this is where I'm supposed to be, this is where I'm from. Um, and I try to stay as humble as possible. I think um, believing in yourself before you expect, expect anyone else to is very important. So if I didn't think I could be a champion figure skater or a great commentator or whatever it might be, if I didn't believe it, nobody else would. Judges wouldn't believe in my abilities or you know the people sitting at home when I'm on television in my blazers, they wouldn't trust me to tell them anything or, or to make them laugh or cry, which is the only thing that I really want is for them to go on that journey with me. So I believe in everything that I am going to do. And I also believe in, um, this came after my real competitive career, but my ability to fail. Um, that's something that we're not allowed to really do, I think, as young people, um, whether it's in school or sports you aren't allowed to try something and not be good at it. You're not allowed to not succeed, to get an A, to um, you know, know which of the languages to take or um, which sports team is going to be the team for you. There's no time for that when you're young. And I find that when you get older and you start looking at yourself with much kinder eyes and what, what you've done with your life and you know, letting yourself live a little and try something different. I mean, I try, everything whether it was us on the cupcakes or you know i found a pilot recently where i learned how to do um trick riding on horses like doing flips and stuff on horses and you know it, why why would i try because I, I went on the mass singer to sing and i cannot sing so you know there's all these things that i allow myself to do to fail and i think that's one of the biggest um leniences that i've given myself is to have an opportunity not to be good at something. You can't be a robot, you can't be great at all of it. So try and see where you fall in. And then the third one, Papa Oprah, you really like it, make it difficult. The third one um, I think is to be kind. 
um, as like Barney as that might sound and as after school special as it sounds. Uh, I want to have such joy in the things that I do and have done and, and I want people not to necessarily remember like, oh, he wore a crazy necklace that one time or um, he did a triple axle or he fell on triple axle at some point. I want people to remember like, oh, he was, he was really nice. And that's something that's funny when I meet people now because, because I can be critical on television because that's my job, it's what I do. Um, they're all like, well, we thought you were gonna be super bitchy, but you're really nice. Um, I think being kind is the most important thing that I can do and that anyone can do in this, mm. in this life because you, the life's too short. Don't hold on to other people's isms. Don't, don't be mad at somebody else because they're different or they're not as good as you at something or, or be jealous of them because they're better. Just, just be nice. It's all a gift. It's all, mm. it's all what you make it. So being kind, I think, is my number one best advice. Be unique, be strong, be all of those things, but being kind, I think, um, not will get you the farthest, but it'll get you the farthest with how you feel about yourself. Johnny, uh, you are an amazing entertainer, but I have been um, so impressed at how approachable you are. Just like you were saying, it's like um, I don't know if you, I don't know, I, no, I, not like it. You have such amazing things to share, so thank you. Uh, and your your self awareness and your humor and your communication is uh, there's something really refreshing about it so thank you for taking the time to, to share that with with me and and everyone listening i really appreciate it my pleasure thank you for having me and thank you for you know getting me over my technological phobias <laughs> immediately after i get off the computer though because it's, it scares me it just sits there <laughs> uh, man. this was yeah this was fun thanks for the time no, my pleasure and, and good luck. And I hope we can do this again and tell Sean I say hi and, and kiss the baby and all of those things. Will do. All Have right. a good one.